0: Coming up on this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, we got a bunch of things that are happening now, as Wolf Blitzer says. Noah is live on location. We're going to tell you more about that in just a moment. You might notice if you're watching the video version, he looks a little different. And he was on a mission. You might say a mission from the internet to convert a school's local broadcast system over to Linux. It's funny because I was involved with my middle school's broadcast system way back in the day that was like this clunky video system, closed cameras, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it evolved into this really Mac-heavy production. That's kind of when I got out. And- It's fascinating now to see Noah's story go in there and convert the school from using things like iPods for cameras to a full Linux-powered production setup. So we'll bring you that story, plus uh, additional educational tools for Linux and students that are using Linux, all of that in today's episode. In the news segment, we'll talk about this supposed new ransomware that's going around for Linux. There's also some uh, hubbub about OpenOffice potentially shutting down, as well as a bunch of other really great stories. Plus, we've got the feedback. But before all of that, Noah, do you know what we got? Picks! We have got the picks. And uh, as, uh, as many of you sent in this week, and thank you because rightfully all of you should have submitted this Runs Linux pick... This is a Pixar production box that runs Linux, uses open source software, and runs on a System 76 rig. This is probably hey,
1: even wow. I sent this in this week. Everybody, like did. not even from a viewer, like <laughs> on my own. Yeah. No,
0: this is a really great one. In fact, I believe officially the first time I saw it come into the show mm-hmm. was uh, when Ian O submitted it to the uh, subreddit three days ago, and I think gotcha. that was the first spotting. But I've seen tweets and telegrams and emails about it because this is like this is just such a great one. I'm really excited mm-hmm. about it. And we're going to just play like a minute. Hopefully we don't get taken down off of YouTube because I think this is absolutely the essential uh, definition of fair use. We we covered this for 10 years straight. So we'll see what happens. But this is a great moment. I want to play this for you. And listen to how excited he is about the technological achievement they've accomplished.
2: And this you can see too at the System76 rig there. Real-time graphics that you're going to see tonight. (laughs) On the GNOME desktop. um, Some final final rendered frames from Finding Dory. Um, each of these frames takes dozens of hours to compute and our artists do a lot of presentations about what it takes to generate these pixels But what we don't talk about is what it takes to what the artists see the real-time pixels that the artists see while they're working So I'm gonna start this out By showing you um, by loading that same shot into USD view now check great out shot how fast this loads
0: Look at that uh, great shot of the system 76 rig there and then in the next box over the GNOME 3 desktop this is This is like everything I love about our Runs Linux. Mm
2: -hmm. What I just loaded was, we're looking at 80,000 meshes being drawn with 52 million polygons all at real-time frame rates. Now, what's happening here is our, open su- our, our USD architecture is streaming all of this geometry off disk and loading it into memory, including this grass simulation, and then the Hydra OpenGL render that's integrated into, into USD is then drawing all of this geometry in real-time.
0: That's amazing. Now,
2: we're not just blasting images. Hydra is drawing all of this geometry at whatever we're seeing down here, we're seeing 60 frames per second, Hydra drawing all of this geometry. I wanna try one more thing, let's load this again.
0: What I really, uh, what I that particular part that I love there is, a lot of times there's this narrative that graphics on Linux suck, that the graphics stack mm-hmm. is old, that X holds us back, there's no, game, games can't run very well on Linux, mm-hmm. which is totally crap. Uh, And here you see a a Pixar animation engineer who is excited about how fast under Linux that they can Mm -hmm. generate these environments, which is amazing. Then he goes on to talk about how damn fast it runs.
2: How fast does Mm -hmm. this take to load? Let's count it off. One, two, three. Three seconds for 52 million polygons, which I think is pretty good. Yeah. But the, the best thing about what you're seeing right now is that all of the source code for everything that you're seeing, Universal Scene Description and Hydra, was open sourced by Pixar on GitHub today at lunch.
0: Isn't that amazing? Yeah, the the video goes on it's fascinating um for another uh, couple of minutes. It's really cool to see the super high end production stuff like that being done on Linux, being done on System 76 hardware with the Gnome desktop.
1: I had no idea like I knew that, you know, big companies like Pixar were using Linux and I knew they had very special applications. I had no idea that uh, that they were using System76 hardware to pull that off, though, so that's incredible. You
0: know, really, you got to think about it. Like, a lot of times we talk, that if you want a GPU, if you want a really powerful oh, yeah. GPU, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there's also a video, the same video is linked on uh, on Vimeo if you have a YouTuber version, but I look at that and I think to myself, there is an entire category of uh, Linux graphics that we don't really see exposed to us, mm-hmm. and so, um, and I don't really fully understand what Pixar's motivation is in open sourcing mm-hmm. this stuff, but... sure. Wouldn't it be amazing if one day that kind of stuff trickled down into some of the tools that we use? Be it Blender yeah. or I don't know if license yes. compatibility be an issue or not, but that could be really awesome. So be incredible, Mr. Noah. Um, wh- wh- where the hell are you right now? Where are you? I actually do not know where you are at the
1: moment. I I, I, I don't either exactly. Uh, <laughs> it, it is uh, <laughs> a true RV uh, right uh, there. I, I have I looked up the I looked up the name of the town, and the the name of the town is C H I L. L I C O T H E. So chilloth, chill, chili cothy? What's chili-co-thee. it? Be,
0: what's it between that I might know? What's it? Where what are you? Uh, between?
1: It's, it's, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like two and a half hours out of Columbus, I believe.
0: Okay. And, wow. and why are you two and a half hours out of Columbus? For those that didn't listen to User Air last week
1: oh uh so i uh i, I we we uh a couple of weeks ago i started working with um uh, a, a guy who uh maintains all of the technology for a school district um in uh, west virginia and uh, and i was answering some of those questions and we were going back and forth and kind of developed a friendship and said and said uh and and eventually he invited me out and he's and I, well actually i think i offered and said i'd be willing to go out there and- <laughs> what that doesn't and- sound and- and- like you yeah and 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 just switch all these machines that are running Let Windows me over guess, to
0: guess, he, uh, he must have mentioned at some point a Mac or, a, or an iOS device in the workflow yeah, and then that yeah. would triggered you as you got the iOS you... device yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah it was my trigger word and so I, I i freaked out and and but but so uh so but then in the process of like getting all of this planned i was actually able to give him some suggestions tell him what software he was using how we set it up and and by the time i got here like actually a lot of the actual work was done and it was great because then we just spent a little bit of time troubleshooting and a lot of time just hanging out and filming and 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 seeing How he has literally pushed Linux everywhere he can in this school district, and is just—he's just a great guy. It was a great It was a ton of fun.
0: Nice. That's coming up, uh, uh, and that'll be later on in the show. As someone who's spent a few years working at school districts, as someone who worked in his school's uh, live like morning video production system, I'm and now does this for a living. I'm really fascinating to see where that goes and particular, what particular pieces of uh, open source software they use to glue it all together. You know, first, I'm going to mention DigitalOcean. This is where I glue my projects together. DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code. Here's the thing. All one word like you're it and get a $10 credit. You apply that to your account and DigitalOcean just go for it. However you want to use that $10, if you want to use a $5 rig and run it two months for absolutely free, or if you want to go hourly and get one of our super powerful machines and pay like three cents an hour, they're honey badger. You do it, you just get that $10 applied to your account. When you use the promo code, here's the thing. Simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up a server on their infrastructure. That's DigitalOcean in a nutshell, but the, secret, the real secret sauce, and they did this before anybody else, all SSDs for their infrastructure. Even their block storage, which goes up to 16 terabytes, which you can attach on-demand to your rig, yeah, all SSD. They got great CPUs, they got 40 gigabit e-connections into the hypervisors, they got data centers all over the world. They really did it right when it came to picking their infrastructure. That's what really matters when you're spinning up on someone else's rigs. You can call it the cloud, but call it, but really think about it what it really is, and that's why it matters. And that interface to manage it all is so intuitive and simple to use. It's the best, even if it were like a full fledged desktop application. You're not beating this thing. The API makes it possible to spin up code around that really easily or take advantage of open source code already written, like Peggy. This is very interesting and something I'm probably going to play with. With one click, you can provision a server on DigitalOcean ready for you to deploy any project from Git. And it's free and open source. So you see something you like on Git, you run it through Peggy, and it spits out a DigitalOcean droplet with that project set up and running.
1: Nice. Yeah. I, That's I mean, incredible.
0: I have not tried That's it incredible. yet, but yeah, yeah. It, it can. If you need to use like a or an Nginx, or you can do MySQL. You can even you can even dictate which specific versions of PHP you want, and then you add so the. So is
1: it only pull. specific projects on GitHub? Or?
0: No. In fact, it can even use your own GitLab server. Apparently. So it's really Whoa. cool. I, I haven't tried yet. I was just looking at it this morning. This is an example of applications that just take advantage of their straightforward API. It's nice. Here, here's something.
1: Here's 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 an idea. Why don't we get a Linux API so I can start taking advantage of that on my laptop? <laughs> you know how sick I am of reading instructions on how to get something <laughs> to work on GitHub. Peggy
0: is the project, and you can find out more in their uh, go to their community tab and then the projects digitalocean.com. Go spin up a system. It could be a, a base Linux rig, uh, Fedora, CentOS. Debian, Ubuntu LTS, they have CoreOS, and even, if you like, FreeBSD. I'm just saying. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code, here's the thing, all one word. And thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. And also, Noah, now that you're a developer. Yes, I'm a developer. I write yeah. code. You, yep. Yep. Uh, you can learn to set up a local programming environment for Python 3 on Ubuntu 16.04 with the latest guide over at DigitalOcean. Nice. No. Yeah, just for you. I put that in there. Thank DigitalOcean, thanks DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Action Show. Say I'll, Chris. Yeah,
1: I I was told by a smart developer that you don't develop on LTSs because they become uh, out of date quickly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just so you
0: know, Shh, don't let anybody like know real. that I could
1: say. that just could ruin want be the whole a thing. Like me, then you just got to know these things.
0: Okay, yeah, that's true. Okay, okay. good yeah. tip, good programming tip. Yeah, I got a good tip for you. It's our desktop app pick this week. Everybody loves themselves. Like a uh, a gif? Is that how you're supposed to say it? I say gif. Oh, I'll say gif. GIF is a peanut butter. I know that's it, what, that's peanut butter. That's you, everybody
1: loves peanut butter.
0: <clears throat> that's true. I don't want to I don't want to mess with peanut butter. This. So why not do why why are you recording your screen to MP4s or WebM's or or OGV whatever you're doing? I don't know. I I don't want to judge. But why are you doing that? Why not make it a gif? A gif. <laughs> a simple tool called Peak that allows you to record short animated gifs. Uh, of your screen. It only works on X11 at the moment, but Wayland <laughs> support is in the future. you probably guess it uses a little FFmpeg at ImageMagic on the background, and uh, it even works with window managers that got that compositing. It's written in Vala, and mm-hmm. uh, as uh, Noah guessed, there is already a AUR package. For it, but I don't know I if you—I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but it is slick, Noah. It is a cool little tool that you just you can set a box over any area on your screen, like you would a regular screen capture utility. And uh, uh-huh. Bob's your uncle—you can record that and render it out to a GIF or a GIF.
1: Boy, I wonder if I'm going to get people really upset. I, I just—I mean, that's great. I'm—I'm I'm glad the option exists. I think that's really cool. I just—I question how useful. I mean, like most of the time, what I'm doing is screen want Are you even? Are you even right now? As Mr. Like, I use Telegram for everything. What does Telegram support? Yeah, okay, fine. It supports GIFs with a hard G. Uh, However, the problem with the Telegram is I hate it when people send me GIFs with a hard G in Telegram. No, it's not about you. I just... It's not about
0: you. It's about... about, Okay, let me give you... Okay, I'm going to give you a little... I'm going to give you a demo right now. Because okay. how about
1: you give me a real life example? Yeah, I'm going to well, give here. you.
0: I'm going to give you a real life example right now. Okay, so let's okay. say uh, you ended. This is my GNOME desktop, and let's say you ended yep. up. Uh, I like on, your wallpaper. Thank you, thank you. And You're you wrong. ended up on the GNOME desktop, and you wanted to know how to add a bookmark to uh, Nautilus. Now that you okay. don't know how to do this, but let's just say that was okay. the scenario, right? all right. Okay. So, do you see how there's this transparent window right here that floats over yes. the UI? Mm-hmm. All you got to do. Is you just size that to be what you want. So I could do it like uh, like this right here. Oh. And then I hit, you hit record, and then what it starts it starts doing its thing. It does a little three second countdown, and then you simply just you just do the action you want to do. When you stop, this thing spits out a gif. And so if somebody's like, Hey Noah, how do I okay, do so X I, Y Z? You could record that it. in two seconds, and then drop it in yeah. Telegram and explain them how to do it, or post it okay. on G or Facebook. I, 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 I changed my mind. I like it now. And the UI is so simple and easy to use. I mean, look at this thing. It's just, it's just For a... For short g- little yeah. 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 For short
1: little things. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's like Screencast
0: of... Lite. And it's just Peak, and it's easy to install. It just uses, you know, pretty much everything that's come standard on a Linux distro. So, uh, yeah, and it's, uh, it's available now in the... Uh, hey, you are. In the hell you are. The Animated the GIF Recorder. I think it's kind of cool. P-E-K. Uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. And you could see, and you know what else is like, that means like on Reddit and stuff too, like if somebody's asking for support. Yeah. It could could also get super annoying. It could also get super annoying. And that's why we're going to find our zen in a text editor. This is our open source project spotlight for this week. And I don't believe Noah's tried it. I haven't tried it. That's why I put it in the spotlight and not as a desktop epic. But who doesn't love a console-based text editor that looks like it's... Maybe a full GUI app. I know, it's crazy, and it's called Micro. Brace yourselves, everybody. Micro is a a text-based terminal editor. What? Yeah, and it aims to be easy and intuitive. What? And also taking advantage of modern capabilities of modern terminals. (laughs) Comes as one single, as we all love, batteries included, static binary. With no dependencies, so you can download and use it right now. Now, you've probably been wondering why the hell I'd pick something like this, and then you saw that UI. Tell me you didn't think for a second there that might have been sublime text in, a, in my, on my desktop. Yeah,
1: yeah that is yeah, that is actually pretty legit. And it's in the terminal. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. and And so when they say support of modern terminals, does that mean I can use my mouse? By chance or
0: no? Yes, I actually does think you can use your mouse. As a matter of fact, no.
1: So cool. No dependencies,
0: which is kind of cool. Same default split and tabs. Extremely good mouse support. You can drag and drop. It's for text selection. You can double click to select by word. You can triple select to select the entire line. It is cross platform. It has a plugin. The plugin system. The plugins are written in Lua. Persistent undo. Syntax highlighting with over seventy five languages. Color scheme support. Ooh, and of course it's tiny with copy and paste. Uh, support on the system keyboard. Those are all things that I, I like, it. and the UI is I pretty good. It. I don't really have a need for something like this oh, at the moment. I do. Yeah, I thought oh, some people I might, do. though. Yeah,
1: yeah. If, if you're running a lower, wait. Okay, yeah. Actually, what I'm about to say will exemplify why you don't have a, a need for. It. But if you run like a like a, a really old machine, like a really old underpowered machine, the more stuff that you can do in the terminal, the more responsive it's going to be. But then you give up a lot of the, you know, like you, like I said, the, the, the functionality of being able to select things with my mouse and, and so forth, so uh, this kind of splits that it splits that 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 divide really nicely, I think.
0: Combine it with a windowing, like a, a, you do so, like something with Awesome or i3, and you know this could be one of your tiles. But also, what I started thinking mm-hmm. was freaking Guake, like just drop down a Guake and have a great oh, text editor yeah. in Guake persistent all the time. And then I was kind of like, that's that might be why I would install it. So I'll probably give it a go after the show and mm-hmm. toss it in Guake. And then what I might do is just uh, put the executable in my sync directory. And s- Let's see if that works if it's mm-hmm. all portable like that. You heard me mention it earlier, so I just wanted to officially mention the next episode of User Air brand new show launched on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. It's actually two Linux users and the beard Three. well, well I, I say the beard I don't want to classify the beard as any one type of user I don't I, I think he's kind of I think the beard's beyond that i don't I don't think you label the beard like that, but he sits in there and kind of keeps Noah an eye funny. in line. I know that is that perfectly fits the beard. So, user error, brand new show. You can find it at error.show. And uh, man, is the feedback crazy great? It's another reason why I mentioned it another week because Linux Action Show listeners are loving this. It's like,
1: hey, Chris, really could, cool we call him a, could, could we get him like, you know how they have you to go to the grocery store and then you have like the shopping carts for the adults and then you have the little shopping carts with the little flags that stick up and it says shopper in training? Could we get him like a little mini netbook with Linux and say Linux user in training? <laughs> See, think that that's new? mean though, because like today he was like, so I'm trying out these
0: different uh, uh, Arch uh, AUR package managers, and I like this one uh-huh. because it does syntax highlighting, and I can use Powerpill to do multi-file download. Right. So I don't really right. feel like it's fair, because I'm pretty sure he was standing up Arch servers over the weekend. So I don't really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guess
1: Yes. Who helped me troubleshoot a lot of the OBS stuff this week? <laughs>
0: So I'm uh,
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, there you go. That's what, User Airs, a new show, and uh, man, are we enjoying the hell out of it! And uh, we uh, we invite you to check it out. We have two episodes out right now. That's all of the picks and shenanigans for the top of the show. Let's do the news.
1: The news and this episode is brought to you by Ting.com.
0: Won't you go to last.ting.com? That'll take $25 off your first device. Support the show and learn a little more about the Ting Network. It's mobile that makes sense. It's really simple. You pay for what you use, no contract, no early termination fee. Last.ting.com. Usually, your average monthly bill probably around 23 bucks depending on your usage. It's really nice because it's just, think of it like this. You want, to, you want to add a tablet, you want to add a phone, you want to add a Raspberry Pi, it's $6 for the line. You can buy a straight, plain old SIM card from Ting directly for like 9 bucks when it's not on sale, or you can buy a full device. It's... Really nice, No knowing I've been using it for years now, and I think I go back to the few times I've had to call customer service. I very much appreciate it, but the number one thing I use really on Ting is their totally kick-ass dashboard. I love this thing. It's super nice to manage my devices, see where they're at, see how many uh, ladies Rekai's been calling on the phone, and, you know, check on all, like, little things like, when was the last time I paid? How much was those bills? Which way am I trending? Is this bill going to be more expensive than last? It tells you all of those things right there in the control panel. And they have a nice app to manage it all, too. I've been, uh, Noah and I just on the pre-show were talking about, like, getting a, getting a new phone. And mm-hmm. I got I got two suggestions. Now, because you were particularly thinking for your wife. Now, I don't know about, yep. you, I know probably this m- might not be the phone for you, but it's such a great deal. I'm going to mention it while it lasts. The Moto E second gen is on sale right now for 57 bucks. I know that's mm-hmm. not quite your speed, but 57 bucks, dude, for an unlocked, no-contract Android phone. All right, how about this? But I
1: bought it. I bought a Moto E, mm-hmm. no contract. It's a low-budget phone. phone. Yeah, I know. But it's, yeah.
0: an it's you know, for 57 bucks an Android phone, not bad. Uh, I know. How about this one? How about this one? Moto G4. Now, we're stepping it up both in design and performance. 5.5-inch full HD display, 3,000 milliamp battery, 13 megapixel camera. No touch whiz. <clears throat> uh, but here's the best part. It's free. If you, uh, if, you get in the, if you give it in the giveaway, you might just win it for free. You have to go subscribe to Ting's YouTube channel, like Ting on the Facebook, and then comment on their unboxing video, which is already posted. They have all the details in their blog. It's for YouTube and on Facebook telling us uh, well, the first thing you'd do if you won the phone. So you got to go there and tell Ting that. But look at that. That? Now, a free phone? A Moto G4? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Check them out. Last.ting.com, go there, support the show, do the savings calculator, see if it works for you. Thanks, Ting, for sponsoring the Linux Action Show, last.ting.com. And Damn, 57 bucks for that Moto E no, second dude. gen. No, no, no,
1: no, no, don't do that. For you and
0: I, I know, I'd never do it for no, me. I no, I just, I don't know, I, I, the, I have pretty I got, the, I got the Nexus on the Ting, I go with the Nexus on the Ting. Mm-hmm, uh, that's, that's what I do, I do the Nexus. But, I don't know, grandma needs a phone, uncle needs a phone. Somebody wants to do some Pokemon Go. This could be a dedicated Pokemon Go device. I know. I know. Not for me. Not for you. But maybe for someone out there. 57 bucks. That's cheaper than a feature phone. That blows my mind. So did you hear about this story? There was a Florida man. Florida man that has powers like no other man to get arrested for hacking into kernel.org. Yeah, Florida man was allegedly hacking into key Linux infrastructure. His name is Donald Ryan Austin. He's 27 years old. He's been charged with four counts of international transmission causing damage to a protected computer. Literally, that's what he's being charged with. Uh, After allegedly hacking the Linux kernel organization and the Linux Foundation in 2011, you guys. Specifically, he's alleged to have gained unauthorized access to four servers using the credentials of an individual associated with the Linux kernel organization. Mm -hmm. And uh, according to the indictment, in around August 2011, Austin used credentials belonging to JH as system administrator. Austin allegedly broke into several name servers, including Odin1, Zeus1, and Pub3 as well as Linux kernel organization founder Peter Avon's private email server and installed the Phalanx rootkit, a backdoor that would allow him to connect to an infected computer and install additional software on the target, and the eBury Trojan, which harvested credentials of those logging into the infected computers. He also allegedly used unauthorized administrative privileges to insert messages that would display when the servers were restarted. Allegedly, one of his goals, according to the government, was to gain access to the software distributed through kernel.org's website, namely the Linux kernel, which is used, by the way, according to them, in computers and other devices all over the world. Back at the time of the attack, the register reported the administrators believed the repositories used to store Linux source code were unaffected by the hack. Um, Also, interesting enough, uh, he's out on bail right now, I believe. (laughs) Uh, he was released from jail on payment of $50,000 and will have to appear in court in San Francisco on September 21st at 9.30 a.m. If found guilty, he faces a possible sentence of 40 years and $2 million in fines, which I'm sure is easy wow. to raise when you're in jail. Um, yeah. What do you think of this? For some reason, well, t- 40 well, years start. and $2 million for being yeah. able to get somebody's username and password and then go from there.
1: I— I yeah. realize let's he got start, into let's a... Start with this. Let, let's start with this. He didn't hack anything. He cracked something But he and did kind we'll of start hacking now. once he got in like he started no, no. he started installing Trojans and collecting credentials yeah. and uh, I, I I just I just I I, I I fundamentally disagree with their definition of hacking yeah. you and I are hackers we hack on the computer, right? And there's that's that's very different from somebody that's doing something malicious and illegal on the computer That's cries though. So I, I I object to their their phraseology to begin with but aside from that Yes, I agree with you. We're gonna put somebody in jail for forty freaking. Years. First of all, if we're gonna segregate somebody from society to begin with, I would like to believe that that's because somebody is a dangerous individual. Somebody is is a violent or dangerous individual. You know, and and then and then on top of that, I I, I think that in addition to not just how serious the compromise was, you have to look at what steps did he take and how right. how much time and effort and that kind of thing. You
0: start talking about somebody who breaks into a home and steals mm-hmm. uh, credentials that are in somebody's exactly. drawer in their desk, that's mm-hmm. a more serious violation. If right. I happen to know Jim's login or I guess Jim's login, that's mm-hmm. not as serious of a violation. Now, exactly. I do want to keep in scope here. We are talking about the effing Linux kernel and it would have been... So super disastrous PR-wise for Linux, If even if it didn't ship once, but if the Linux kernel had been compromised in such a way, like something mm-hmm. got inserted, or which wasn't going to happen. But let's just say right. there was something to raise concern, either about downloads or something. That would have been a massive PR blunder and a big feather in the cap of everybody's like, well, commercial development's more secure because it's a secret. That would have been a big feather in their cap. So I'm glad yeah. that didn't happen, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it, 40 years will ru- that it will imagine he's 27 years old mm-hmm. that the next 40 years of his life are are some of the most important formid- formid- formidable adult yeah, years they might as of well someone sent
1: him to life in jail because by the time he gets out yeah you know I mean, that's time
0: time where an individual could get could have an entire life of experiences of careers and family and all of that and be in the second phase of it all or something like it's it's really it's really unfortunate. And and the fact that he had to pay $50,000 and all of it, I I don't I don't condone (laughs) hacking the Linux kernel, but.
1: Yeah, I don't either. But I think fifty thousand dollars—that seems to me to be a more reasonable sentence. If that's all it extended to, yeah, right? and I understand yeah. that was just a bail or whatever. But yeah. but if that is something something along those lines, you know, I, I could kind of I could kind of see it. But yeah, when you start getting anything past like five years for something that didn't even happen, seems uh, for something like, that was easy beyond way excessive. That's yeah. something else
0: to consider. Is all of the damage was done digitally and it was all reversible. It's not like he went and permanently marked right. like the Picasso or something like that. It's, exactly. It, So that's also something to... And uh, just to touch on your point about... But we had
1: to click edit undo.
0: Right. Just to touch on your whole hacker thing versus cracker thing. Man, I wish that was a... I think that was a battle we lost years ago in the media. That was something that... We tried to fight that battle and they just steamrolled over what the definition of hacker meant.
1: I just haven't let go of it.
0: We also apparently can't get over what the definition of a Trojan is versus... Uh, a CMS worm, but we're mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna bust this down a little bit. There you may be seeing news over the next couple of weeks about Linux.rex.1. A new Linux Trojan that creates a P2P network for command and control. Yeah. Uh, security researchers have discovered a new Linux Trojan dubbed Linux Rex one and it self-spreads. Dun dun dun. Panic, 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 panic. Security researchers from Dr. Webb discovered the new Linux Trojan, and the threat was designed to infect web servers that use a certain content management system, CMS. Mm-hmm. Well, is it a Linux Trojan, or is it a CMS Trojan? If it's spreading by, by broken CMSs, then it's, right. and, it's, and, it's only, case,
1: and it's only And the only computers that are vulnerable are ones with a specific CMS installed. I
0: believe this case is Drupal. So um, you have to have an unpatched version of Drupal. It's not really... Now, here's where it becomes a Linux Trojan, and it, this is actually the interesting parts. So once mm-hmm. it gets on the system, the payload that runs is written in Go, which is, there's not a lot of rit- malware written in Go, so that's pretty interesting. There's like one other that I'm really familiar with. Uh, and it provides it, once it's on the Linux box, it starts doing a whole range of stuff targeted at Linux. So this is kind of where they get away with it, uh, including sending out spam messages, launching denial of service attacks, and then of course spreading itself over this peer-to-peer network. And the spam messages that it sends out are fake ransomware notices that look like they're coming from the website. So you get like an email from JupiterBroadcasting.com saying your files have been encrypted. Go here to pay in Bitcoin, and you go pay in the Bitcoin, you get nothing, because nothing's ever actually been encrypted. Uh, The botnet, composed of machines affected by this uh, Linux Rex one, established this peer-to-peer system. Each node of the malicious network is able to share data with peers by using a protocol implemented by the malware's authors. (laughs) (laughs) So their own protocol. Uh, That's pretty neat. Once the Trojans launched... The computer starts operating as one of the network nodes. The malware program receives directives over the HTTPS protocol and then sends them to other botnet nodes if necessary. So it's like it can be like a mesh network type thing. You can get one that's talking to the secure, internet.
1: Though. They're doing that very securely. Yeah, they're implemented this they're very well. They're probably
0: using Let's Encrypt. Uh, <laughs> if necessary, when commanded by the cyber criminals, Linux Rex 1 starts, uh, starts or stops a, D- a DDoS attack against a specific IP. So you go out there, you get all these machines on your botnet, they're controlled over P2P, and then you can direct them on DDoS attacks. I guess that's kind of interesting. And the Bitcoin thing's kind of interesting, too. It's kind of being overlooked in the reports, uh, you know, wanting ransom for something that doesn't actually exist. But in reality, once again, Noah, we got ourselves one of those... It's a Linux trojan. It's Linux malware. It's taking out Linux exactly. servers, and it's exactly. It's, it's actually
1: really doesn't have all that much to do with Linux.
0: No, no, because it could write something just like this once it got on a Windows box if they're doing that. Right. So, um. Yeah, I just want to do a little, a little hey, bit of paranoia you know busting.
1: These guys, they actually seem to be decent coders. Is their code available on GitHub? Because <laughs> we here's what we could do. Here, here's what we could do. Okay, I got an idea. We could take their code and we can modify it and make like JB Satcom slaves. And have that spread around, then people could rebroadcast You a Broadcasting content. We could
0: make our own peer-to-peer broadcast network using Linux malware. That would be sweet. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? (laughs) Curious about your thoughts on this one. Open Office, after quote-unquote years of neglect, as the register puts it, could shut down. Open Office management is considering retiring the project. No more Open Office. Yeah. I'm shocked. Well, there are apparently not enough developers. The project leader is particularly worried about the ability to fix security problems. In July, OpenOffice issued an advisory about a security vulnerability, and there's no fix. The problem Mm -hmm. could let attackers craft denial of service attacks and execute arbitrary code. One of the workarounds suggested by the OpenOffice project was to use LibreOffice or Mm -hmm. Microsoft Office. Mm
1: -hmm. This is what happens. This is what happens when you as a company think you're going to take over... An open source project, and then cast it to the wayside and say, "Well, we now own this thing, and we'll just have it exist." Here's what's going to happen: all the people that are maintaining it and developing it, they're not going to come work for you. They're going to fork that project and make a better project, and then they'll go work over here and let your project die a slow, sad, lonely yeah. death. I, mean, I don't Office, know anyone that still uses OpenOffice. Yeah,
0: LibreOffice has all the momentum. Well, so OpenOffice was downloaded more than 29 million times in 2015. How many have- for a cumulative oh, okay. total of more than 160 million downloads since May of 2012, just according to stats that are available on the website. Sure. 160 million people, apparently. Yeah. Now, who knows if they're still
1: using uh, it's it? More th- yeah, well, that's more than I would have guessed. I wonder how many of those people, because I used to do this back, and this was probably not all that long ago, I would download open office and then realized that wasn't the one i, I meant LibreOffice, but it just it's 10 years of calling it open office and you know when i hit the the you know the the super key and type writer doesn't matter which ones installed, both of them you know open up but it, it just takes me a little bit if i'm on a machine that doesn't have yeah. LibreOffice to go get open office and so and so i wonder how many of those people did that and went well why is this different than the other one oh this is a different thing and you don't know, ask maybe,
0: me so. man i'm still trying to install star office so don't ask me this next story is not really to poke fun at the GNOME project, but, man, does it suck when this happens, especially to an open-source project. You remember a few weeks back, I talked about the GNOME Maps API getting yanked out. Mm-hmm. and the yep. Yeah, well, it turns out now uh, the GNOME Weather API got pulled. So now GNOME Weather is broken. And uh, it's really kind of a shame. So GNOME Maps and GNOME Weather both have recently had bad setbacks with online providers. And maybe it's just time to acknowledge that... Um, these we APIs. Be
1: so many online services into our local desktops?
0: Yeah, these APIs that it's okay if it's not open source because it has an API. That only is good for as long as they want it to have an API. Just six weeks ago, Gnome Maps could no longer display maps. Now earlier this week, GNOME Weather was hit with a similar issue when the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration of the US NOAA. shut down the weather API, critical to GNOME Weather. According to details posted on the NOAA website, the Meteor API endpoint that Gnome Weather depended on was discontinued four years ago and then was just shut down completely this week. Four years ago. Uh, and and the author of the uh, article here where I'm reading from says that Gnome Maps and Weather are clearly not built for failure. And this is something we've talked about on Coda Radio. When the APIs they depend on disappeared, users were left with a completely useless app. Gnome Weather does fetch forecast data up to a few days in the future, and this data could have been cached and displayed along with a warning about it being slightly out of date since the user's device is offline or the API was unavailable. This would have at least helped provide users with a better experience than just forecast is unavailable and it's a blank screen. That's a really good point, too, is not only do we need to think about how we're using these APIs, but like with maps, do they need to be proxied? With weather, does the data need to be cached so that way if you can't connect to the API, you still have something to display? It's like we have to kind of be rethinking how we're using some sure. of these services. And uh, yeah. unfortunately, the GNOME project is sort of front and center and publicly learning from those experiences. How about a little transition from our friends, our cousins across the pond, if there was like a Linux, Unix. You've seen those maps where like, the We're different territories of Linux, yeah. and it's like a world map. There's like yeah. another planet that's like within well, our range, and that's the BSD planet. It's a little strange over there, sometimes echoey a bit, but they have themselves... A little bit of a transition, and I think it's worth mentioning on the show because it's a project we've covered. Are they
1: switching to Linux?
0: (laughs) (laughs) PCBSD is turning into TrueOS. TrueOS, Noah.
1: Uh, It kind of needed a new name.
0: Well, I think I disagree with you there um, because uh, I I don't know. I I realize that there's a TrueOS server and all of that, and so it's kind of making the TrueOS desktop and TrueOS server more Mm -hmm. directly related true is a super generic word and os is a super generic word both of which are going to have horrible seo neither one of which make me think of bsd and it it also and this is i've thought about this I and I, I don't think i'm i don't think i'm projecting here when i say this um uh-huh. i think it betrays a little bit of insecurity about the nature of the no- os as it is f- a good desktop and what i'm trying to say is the name TrueOS, it sort of speaks to the echo chamber nature of people that work on the, B- the on the BSD desktop to begin with. Like, oh. all of these things are work great on the BSD desktop until you realize that most of them that I would want, I have to install a Linux transition layer, or most of them aren't necessarily available yet, or et cetera, et cetera. Now, there are many workloads where it is a fantastic desktop, and I think TrueOS slash PCBSD is the best of the best of them. But I think there are oftentimes there's these strange limitations you run into when you switch to a BSD desktop that people afterwards go, oh yeah, that's coming down the road. That's coming down the road, and mm-hmm. I think the name TrueOS sort of betrays a little bit of that. And there's also a couple other changes they've made that I think are also very telling and perhaps potentially risky even though they could make for huge um, feature differentiators. So TrueOS, one of the major features as part of this transition is they're moving to a rolling release. Hmm. It's going to be based on free BSD current. I'm not a big BSD person, but I, my understanding is that's sort of like basing your OS on Debian testing. So or rawhide, Fedora rawhide potentially, but maybe not quite as turbulent.
1: I, I I think that if they got away from the name of BSD, I don't think that would be a bad thing. <clears throat> I think sometimes that, that PCBSD gets a bad rap simply because people go, oh BSD, that's like the less popular version of Linux. And if and if and I think that that s- sets them up <clears throat> from the get go as an unfair comparison because we're not ac- we're not accurately evaluating. It as an op- as a desktop operating system. We, yeah, just, maybe. we come in with a lot of preconceived notions. I, I, well, at least I don't. I, I, right away when I hear PCBSD, I'm like, oh, so they've taken BSD, which kind of mostly belongs on a server, and then trying to turn it into a desktop operating yeah, system. Yeah, I, I, I like agree the with you there. battle I fought ten years ago with Linux.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right yeah. about the name. the The PCBSD name sort of was getting a little <laughs> old. It's kind of an mm-hmm. alphabet sandwich too. So I'm like putting a lot of that, you know, in my mouth when I'm saying it, and uh, it does kind of um, conjure up pictures of like Intel Pentium processors. Mm-hmm. You know, and things that are more desktop oriented, not necessarily laptop, netbook oriented. And I think they're they're trying to change that. Uh, of course, a couple other things that they're working on is they're going to have uh, weekly ISO updates, only one package repository update when you're ready, never get left behind. They say automatic updates can be enabled or disabled. And uh, TrueOS is going to use Qt5 for the LuminA desktop. But here's another interesting thing they're working on. They say it's early days. But they're working on Docker support, which I thought was kind of fascinating.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, interesting. And on, on the same lines, uh, FreeNAS has a beta out while well, we're talking about this. FreeNAS beta 10 is out. Also some work on Docker support here. Of course, they call it also early days. But check this out. Look at this new UI they have for FreeNAS. Brand new dark oh, wow. theme UI. Wow. Currently only works in Chrome. So, But they're working. They say cross-browser support will be coming in a future
1: beta. That's incredible. Yeah, that looks way. And,
0: and in FreeNAS, in FreeNAS, they're going to deliver the plugins. They're going to switch over. I think over a transition period, they're going to switch over so that the plugins use Docker. Mm-hmm. So they're going to kind of redo the plugin system eventually. I don't know if they're going to support both for a while or how that works but eventually when you go to install a plugin on on FreeNAS it'll be inside a docker container and they say that long term this is going to open it up to just an enormous amount of of plugins eventually gotcha. uh, if it runs in a docker container it'll now run on a FreeNAS rig and they say that their FreeNAS in the post is getting put into more and more devops type positions and they want people to be able to spin up containers on a free NAS rig. You put, you know, you picture it. You go get a free NAS mini XL. You throw it in a small office of like thirty-five, sure. forty-five people, and you got sure. five people on your team that are doing development, ten people on your team doing development. You spin up some containers for them on a free NAS box. It's a nice reinvestment in your hardware. You're probably getting something yep. that's kind of fast, anyways, if you have got a ton of storage. So it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a big transition for them, but that could be mm-hmm. huge eventually. Um, oh, I agree. Yeah, man, this big release. This is a bit both for TrueOS now and FreeNAS. Couple of big releases, and here I am uh, testing out Open Media Vault. And I'm looking at this new UI, and I'm going, "Oh, damn!
1: FreeNAS yeah, took it up yeah, a notch." And here's, yeah, and here's the other problem you you fight is the well, they have improved the FreeNAS UI. I never have to use the FreeNAS UI enough for me to care what it looks like because I just installed the first time and it just works. Yeah, I don't think I've logged into FreeNAS and
0: I almost probably haven't logged Mm. into our FreeNAS server in almost a year probably. (laughs) Probably less than that, but yeah, you're right. However, when you're first setting it up, it's super important.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I I don't think they shouldn't do it. I think it looks great. I'm glad they did. I'm just saying And it's just, you
0: know. If they transition to Docker for plugins where you might be deploying more application stacks and spinning more things up. You might be spending more time in that UI. And one of the things they're putting front and center, which is generally not a big issue on free NAS rigs, is, but look what they're putting front and center is all of these bar graphs, your CPU sure. usage, your, your load average, disk I.O., memory allocation, network traffic. Uh, they're even putting some, uh, some ZFS stats in here like the ARC uh, d- demand and things like that for the ZFS cache, which is really cool. Sure. I, I think it's neat if this thing's going to end up doing a lot more work, uh, improving yeah. the UI, because uh, you might end up in there a lot more. Yeah, for sure. And it makes it a damn – it's going to eventually make it even more competitive. However, Open Media Vault 3.0 is almost out, and it's going to be a pretty mm-hmm. refined product. And this could be a bumpy transition for them. You know what I mean? Like this could – this this new UI and all that mm-hmm. could take a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. So we shall see. We shall see. But anyways, we, uh, we'll follow both of these with some interest. I was trying to find out – let's see, FreeNAS 10 is based on FreeBSD 10.3. FreeBSD 10.3. So there you go. I was trying to figure that out before we wrapped up. Okay. So uh, congratulations to our cousins, our BSD cousins over there. I, you know what? I, I kind of poo-poo the name a little bit. It's not my favorite, but I think it's probably better than PCBSD, which is also pretty generic and does kind of conjure up old stuff. So I think you're probably right, Noah. I'll, ch- I'll, I'll I'm sure I'll learn to love it over time. You know, when new stuff comes up fresh, I was like, ugh. But over time, I'll figure it out. And you know, when they release that new version. M- might be worth us giving it a little bit of a try because it got the LuminA desktop with the ZFS snapshot integration mm-hmm. based on FreeBSD rolling. I'd be really—I've never tried a rolling FreeBSD install before. I give yeah, that a I'm go to Totally up for a review yeah. of it. Yeah. So maybe we'll, maybe when, it, when they hit uh, when they hit final, we'll do a little PC or I'm sorry, a little True OS review here on the show, even though it's technically not Linux. <gasps> Controversy ensues. That is all for this week for the news, I guess. Now let's go back to school. I'm not going to say how long it's been since I was in middle school doing exactly what these kids are getting set up to do right now, but it was one of my favorite things ever, and it was ridiculous. With big old cameras and wires that went everywhere to this closed-circuit television system, it was a mess. And at the same time, we all really enjoyed ourselves, so when I heard from Noah that he was going out somewhere to help them get set up to run Linux to do something very similar, I thought, yeah, Noah, that's definitely going to make great show content. So I can't wait to talk to him about that. But first, I want to thank the people that made this segment possible in the first place, and that's Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com unplug to support the show and to learn more. Check out their features page, where you can learn about their labs and exercises, where they have hands-on scenario-based labs that get you in the middle of a real world experience, so you walk away feeling like you actually know how to do that thing. Think about that, That's one of the. when it comes to work or tests, one of the moments that I am the most anxious is when it's a new thing for me and I've never done that before and I don't have it all figured out yet. And when I have to tell my client or my employer that yeah, I can do that because conceptually I know it, but I've never actually done it before. That is one of the most nerve wracking moments for me in any kind of client or employment situation. Not not even just for taking tests, but same thing applies there too. And that's what I really like about the hands-on experience at Linux Academy. Plus, they have instructor mentoring available when you need it. They have nuggets where you can deep dive into a single topic. Study tools like guides and audio and all those kinds of like notes and stuff that you might find useful when you're training. They're downloadable. You can take them with you. They're great. They have lab servers that spin up on demand, note cards that can be forked by the community, and the community is packed full of Jupyter Broadcasting members. And they have iOS and Android apps where you can... Just jump in and jump out when you have a little bit of time. And speaking of time, if you're super busy, take advantage of their availability planner that allows you to customize the coursework to exactly how much time you have. It turns out computers are smart enough to figure that out. <laughs> so why not take advantage of it? LinuxAcademy.com unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. And thank you, everybody, for going to LinuxAcademy.com unplugged and learning more about them, maybe just visiting, help support the show too. I don't know, man. It it was a long time ago. It was the 90s, uh which I know for some of you that's not long so long ago for some of you weren't born yet watching. And we had this really hokey manual system that eventually transitioned into these Macs with these crazy add-on boards, and that's kind of when I start started losing interest. Uh and I could only imagine move that technology forward. I would have to. I would have to picture the Mac involvement and now iOS devices involvement. M- might be one of the go to setups for a school that wants to have like a video broadcast of the daily bulletin or work on some sort of media production as part of an educational curriculum. And I can imagine, as somebody like you, Noah, if you had an opportunity to intervene and change the direction of that technology stack, you probably jumped at it. So, can you back up and kind of recap for people who didn't catch user error, like? What has transpired over the last few days? Where did you end up? And uh, then I know we have some footage to
3: roll.
1: I try to make myself available to anyone that writes into the show, jupiterbroadcasting.com, clicking on the contact link. And so they're asking a quick question and efforts, you know, if they if they have a comment to make, you know, then obviously we either read that on the air or I just we read it and nod and move on. Um, <laughs> but every so often somebody asks a, a question that that isn't necessarily, you know, necessarily show content to answer it, but we <clears throat> definitely want to get them an answer to their question. And so I did. I reached out and he, he was asking about how we are doing some of the specifics with the broadcasting, you know, system that we that we do for JB. And I said, sure. So I kind of outlined a little bit for him. And then he emailed me back and he goes, well, actually, I was thinking about doing some consulting. Do you have any advice for that? And so emailed him some advice there. And, uh, and then as a the school year started to pick back up, he reached out to me again and he goes, you know, I've been trying to get this work and here are the problems I'm having and I just can't get it to work. And I said, all right, I tell you what, I'm really sorry. I don't have time to deal with this right now, but I will be home later tonight and I will replicate your system exactly how you've described it. And I will walk through and figure out how to solve the problems that you're having. And then I'll let you know. So I did that and I wasn't able to come up with an answer. I was really happy with. Hmm. And so, uh, and just, you know, it's actually brief enough, I can tell you, basically what it was, was they only had access to one machine, and so he was trying to mirror the output of OBS. Back into itself. But what would happen is when he would play like a video for VLC, VLC's audio would go out of the system audio. Yeah, yeah. And it would also be brought into OBS, and that would go out. Now, if you mute, mute either one of those, you mute the system audio. You lose the it. The TV can't hear it. Yeah. You mute OBS audio. The stream can't hear. It. So uh, you, neither would really work. Yeah. Yeah. So so I found a hack. Rakai actually, I, me like I do anything. But the beard helped me. The beard f- helped me find a solution, and so uh, you know I relayed that to him, and so it kind of worked. Um, and eventually, I said, you know, man, go find yourself a second computer, and th- this solves all your problems. So that's what he did. And uh, and and I said, I tell you what, I you try and find another computer, and I will start working on a plan to come out there. And uh, and 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 fix this problem. And it's how many miles and, from your house exactly? Uh, well, one thousand three hundred and twenty, I think. Is so the, about is twenty hours of driving. Yeah, yeah. Google Maps said seventeen. It took us twenty-seven. But
0: yeah, it, that's that's it, because you're pulling. If you see, it makes it when you're pulling uh, when you're pulling an RV, it it steals time because you and you gotta you gotta go slower. But then when yeah. you got family with you, you gotta stop more. Yeah, that's oh, I know. the big problem oh, I keep I running
1: into. That I mean, the RV thing that might have added like two hours. The other eight or yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh, so <clears throat> so it's uh, so anyway so about like Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. I get this. I get this. This telegram, and it says, Noah. I'm really sorry, uh, but I don't think uh, you're going to have to come out here because uh, I was super excited to meet you and I was like, super excited to work all this stuff out. But if I'm being perfectly honest with you, we got a lot of these problems, uh, we got a lot of the problems solved. And so uh, there's a couple little issues that they're really no big deal. Well, by this time, I've already, uh, it might have been before that. Now, maybe I'm not giving enough, enough credit. You might have let me know like a week ahead of time. But it was past the point where I had already made plans with my family to go out and I had already made the arrangements at work and, and it was a long weekend. And so we were kind of looking forward to it. And I said, you know what? Um, then we'll just come out and document it, because it's still good show yeah, content. Yeah. This is the kind of thing when you're changing, you're fundamentally changing the lives and future of these kids, that's something that we want to be but, a part of. But full learn.
0: stop, how awesome is it that he figured it out on his own, too? Like, that's yeah, well, huge, I mean, and that, with, speaks, that speaks to obviously your assistance, but obviously um, the fact that the technology is getting there, too, where it's not this but, crazy arcane black magic where you have to have been do- doing it for five years.
1: The technology is there. The other thing, though, too, and and you know, I think that, uh, and I think that every employer should be should pay attention to what I'm going to say next. And that is that sometimes you have employees like Chris, who we're going to talk to, who. Go so far above and beyond that the the school district, I don't think they really understand who they're employing, and I don't think they really fully comprehend what he's doing. Because he's taking this stuff home on his own personal time, with his own personal equipment, on his own personal funds, figuring all of this stuff out, and then bringing it into the school or suggesting the school, this is the thing that you need to buy to make it work. That that was—
0: out of his passion that was what i loved about working at a school district that's that was mm-hmm. what that's why when i left i went away for a few years and then came when i when i quit like corporate america's type of jobs and i was like i'm sick of this sure. i want to go somewhere where it's it's not like so it's not just so heads down intense it's more about enjoying it and i went back to the school district because the people there some of sure. them just a couple of them uh-huh. really just went above and beyond because they wanted to. And it was a great right. place if you have a creative technology itch to scratch uh, uh, and you can work within certain limitations, it was a great place to do that. So this guy's name is yep. Chris, and yep. uh, what we're about to see is you visiting him uh, and yep. kind of going over their brief setup, then giving yes. like the actual like down-to-the-wire explanation of it and right. all of that. So we'll get a walkthrough now of their Linux-powered setup. Some of this might... Uh, some of the additional details may come up. We might have mentioned a couple things already there are in there, and uh, I'm—I've seen parts of this, but I'm looking forward to it. Are you ready for me to roll? it? Ready to go. All right. So now we go back to Noah from yesterday. At where are you again? What what is the,
1: the middle middle school inside of uh, Charleston, West Virginia?
0: There you go. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> Take it away, past Noah. Take it away.
1: Well, this time I've done it. This segment. Put me back in middle school. I'm with here with my friend Chris, and he was kind enough to take us into the place, his employment, and show me a little bit about what they're doing here in the middle school. See, now, when they asked Chris to help their students come up with a way to do their morning announcements, Chris didn't just settle for the hey, let's just use Skype and Skype from one machine to another, and then we can send that over out over the school's network, TV network. No, 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 no. Chris said, I'm going to build a whole Linux lab. And and I'm going to put OBS all up in this business, and we're going to get those kids streaming live using proper freedom-respecting software. Thanks so much for being with here with us, Chris. Thank you, Noah. Hey, we appreciate it. And by the way, thank you for the amazing food. Chris had us, had my, myself and my wife out. He grilled for us, and I think my kids are out there actually having a bonfire right now and hanging out. Well, we're here geeking out. We, we, we got here. And uh, at first, like, we each sit down at a computer almost kind of, like, naturally. And then he kind of digs into his thing and I dig into mine. And then we look up and we're like, so we should probably do the segment now. Um, But it's been super fun hanging out. So thanks a lot for having us out here.
3: Oh, you're welcome. thanks for coming. I'm uh, really excited that you're here. it's
1: gonna be awesome. Well, I wanna go take a look at this o b s thing so obviously if you if you didn't if you couldn't tell you haven't figured it out yet, this is where the the children sit every morning when they do their announcements um and now we're gonna go take you back and show you what the setup looks like and how Chris has gotten all of this to work. All right, so we're back at their technical control operation. This is where the production for the entire school happens And Chris has up here, so explain to us how many machines we have,
3: Chris. Well, we only have two. We have uh, this uh, broadcasting machine here and then a laptop that connects to the RTMP stream and puts the, the uh, video and audio out to the school.
1: Okay, now we'll go back and get into some of the, like, the cable connections here in a minute. But the, so this computer over here is acting both as the, the switching and broadcasting computer as well as it's actually hosting the RTMP server, is that right? Correct. Okay, and this is basically just a, a media player.
3: Yeah, it's just a dumb terminal that's running VLC mainly.
1: Okay, and so again, we'll go through how this computer connects out to the TV, but I guess all the magic really happens on this machine. So can you kind of walk me through? So
3: first, can you tell us kind of what they were doing the last couple of years? Well, the last couple of years, they, uh, they had a different laptop sitting here that they were running uh, Windows 7 on and using Skype. Mm-hmm. And then out there on the uh, camera stand, they had... An iPod that was skyping to this machine, and they would just do it live. And most of their broadcasts are only like three minutes, so that was the that was the so, extent of it.
1: So they were using an iPod mounted on a tripod to, right. uh, to as, as their camera. Okay, so show us what
3: we have going on now. Well, now we have a um, um, yes, thank you. Okay, uh, sitting on the iPod on the tripod over there, mm-hmm. and. Basically, it just it just sits there. It has the audio and the video in it. The kids sit in front of it. They do their announcements. They start the stream. Excuse me. They start the stream. They start reading their announcements. Um, so so th- that so that's capturing
1: both the video and audio. Then it's bringing it back into this device and then or in, into OBS. And I see that you have a number of different uh, graphic things. So you're doing all of the lower thirds and stuff as well.
3: Yes, correct. Uh, every morning, they, the different students that sit down there, they have one that sits back here and they'll change the, uh, the names for whatever students sitting in there. And so, I guess my, the reason I'm asking you that question
1: is because what, what you're telling me, if I'm understanding you correctly, is that um, these students are coming in and they're sitting down and they are learning how to make changes in production uh, to a system. That is based on Linux and respects their freedom when it comes to open source. If any of these students go home and they like, hey mom and dad, I want to do my own little broadcast here at home. They have all the tools at the ready for them because they've already been using them here at school and they're available to them free at home, right? Absolutely. See that? That I think that's cool. I, you're definitely this is this is where I want my kids to get their education. All right. Well, uh, so that, I mean, this basically, we've covered this a couple of different times in the show, you know, basic switching and stuff. So now let's take, I want to go behind here and I want you to show me what all of these connections do and how you're actually getting this to, to all the TVs throughout the high school. Okay, we're at the part that probably most of the geeks in the audience want to see. What do all
3: the wires do? Well, right here is the wire that goes over the wall into the server room next door and it is connected to a system called ZV okay, and it has the audio and the video into it. And the ZV system picks a channel on the local school's cable and broadcasts to that. So all the students or all the teachers out in the classroom at announcement time, turn on whatever channel it is. I'm sorry. I don't know. They turn on that channel Mm -hmm. and then they're waiting for the announcement and then the students start the announcement. And when it's done, we then broadcast a, um, PowerPoint presentation. Thank you. Okay. Of uh, a summary of the day's announcements, so they can tune to, that, tune to that anytime throughout the day. But essentially, that's all this is: is audio and video coming out of coming out of the laptop. And during the during the day, they actually stream audio with this little box right here off of a. I hate to say it, iPod, but that's what they have available to them.
1: Okay. You use what you have. So I think the interesting part here is not necessarily the the uh, the actual software, the fact that they're the fact that Linux is here. I think we all kind of expected that when we said that a school is going to be running Linux and OBS. The cool thing here is that these students are getting an experience, and they are getting they are learning from the ground up on a platform and a software solution that they can implement for the rest of their lives and go on to have professional careers. If, for example, the next Jupiter Broadcasting host is attending the school right now. And they're growing up and they're they're saying, I'm going to learn how to do a podcast. They can learn how to do that and those tools are provided. They don't have to go buy a $2,500 Mac Pro. They don't have to go buy a $900 copy of some special software. All they need is a webcam and a little bit of willingness and people like Chris who are willing to give of his time and troubleshoot all this stuff at home, figure all this stuff out and then bring it here for these kids to use. So thanks so much for having us here and thanks for showing us this really cool setup and I hope to, the next
3: time I come back here the school has even more Linux than it does today. Well thank you Noah, I appreciate it. And incidentally the high school is now wanting to copy this setup. Stay tuned for episode 2.
1: Now right after this then he took us to his office and he was kind of showing us around, and and, and I and I, I kind of looked, and I was like, okay, I'll just focus on the Linux part of your uh, your office. I'll ignore your Windows machine. And uh, then right after that, as I was calling him out on it, kind of he goes, uh, <laughs> "What are you talking about?" And I said, "Your window, Windows,
2: right, here. And he goes, Windows uh, right there in the middle. I can see the something. Windows
1: logo." And he grabs exactly. the mouse. And he's like, "Yeah, let me sh- let me show you something." Oh, and he, he pulls it down. At the top is it VM? And minimizes the virtual, but yeah, it's just. So, a he's, VM. Got, so he's, he's got. So his entire office is running Linux. It's a four, four monitor monitors. setup. Yep. Look yep. at that. That yeah, is awesome. Yeah, but... Yeah, but uh, like I said, I'm not sure the school district fully appreciates uh, and realizes his true potential uh, as an employee because he is going <laughs> so far beyond, you know, like they, they, they uh, you know, they're going through and they're like, we need to update all the Windows computers. And he's like, yeah, uh-huh. let me show you what else we could do with the computers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's, that is certainly a good point. It's not it doesn't stop there, though. I bet they're prof- not fully grokking the value they're getting out of OBS. Can we just take a second exactly. here and acknowledge the barriers yeah. for Linux at OBS? is blowing down at at like an amazing pace, what an important project for media production OBS is, holy crap, Mm. or OBS as they like to call it. Um, And then also, I sincerely doubt they understand the value they're getting out of the Ubuntu Mate desktop there, which obviously was his desktop preferred choice there, makes a great use on lower end, sometimes cheaper educational hardware. I mean mm-hmm. just checks all the boxes. This is this is this is a check all right. the boxes kind of episode of Linux action show. you know what mm-hmm. I noticed though in that in that clip? Is they've got all this great new technology. They got they, they got a green screen, they got they got themselves uh, OBS, they got Linux, mm-hmm. Ubuntu Mate mm-hmm. and then at the end of all of that, it still goes into a rat's nest of wires and goes into a closed circuit television system where the teachers turned turned to channel three just like they did when I was in middle school. Yeah, exactly. Back in the nineties. So, that's
1: probably part of, the same system that was in place back, you know, back in the nineties. Probably just the same wiring. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah you're honestly, not. yeah. Oh <laughs> man! All right. Well, so uh, if you guys uh, are curious about Linux in education, open source in education, check out the show notes. We got uh, obviously links to OBS. But what's the Z T V What's the VZV TV? What's that, that- Noah?
1: ZVTV is the device that uh, that takes a computer input and then RF modulates it over mm. a specific channel Okay, so yeah uh, my, my thought process is and I was explaining this to Chris too. every time we do a segment like this ten, fifteen, ten, fifteen 15 10-15 people write in and go I'm the director of technology at my school and I want to implement this How do I how did how did he do that? Yeah? Um, and so we're you know, I'll show you step by step everything that you So would that's how they're taking the
0: OBS the, feed out and putting it into the clothes right. okay. Yeah, yep. exactly exactly cool. I'm glad you put that in there um <clears throat> Now, can we get into a little bit of a fight, you and I? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, you, you once again are running around like uh, some sort of lunatic, spreading misinformation about the C nine twenty, and I don't understand why. Because what did uh, I say uh, I believe we are all supposed to be worshipping at the feet of the new nine uh, the new nine thirty e C nine thirty e webcam, and uh, okay. not your uh, broken nine twenty. So uh, okay, I thought but we ha- had this. Uh,
1: first of all, what. First of all, what did I? I, we, I bought a C930, uh, but I don't understand. First of all, the C920 has a tighter uh, has a tighter picture, and the C930 is much wider. Yeah. So you have to get the camera like right in the person's face for, for the 930. So th- that's one thing that I like about the C920 over the C930. And then the second thing is there's a, there's a pretty decent price drop. I mean, the C920. Which one are you on right now? Which one item. are you on right now? 930. 930. This is a 930. This is the one. 930-C. I think it looks, I, that think the, think I think you. I like the flatter
0: aspect. I See, I think yeah. the flatter the flatter aspect ratio of the 930C is more professional, whereas the uh-huh. 920 has a webcam look to it. It has, I mean, also the lighting matters a lot. Like, if if you had studio-grade yeah. lighting in your travel trailer right now, people would legitimately not get know. get right on that. <clears throat> they would not know you were on a webcam, honestly. It really yeah. is that good. Yeah. So that's why I like it. Plus, uh, it's the newer model. Um, that's also a good thing. Having bought a few of them, that's my preferred, but, uh, uh uh-oh. I think the Poe's coming for you, Noah. (laughs) Have you told the people listening where you're
1: actually at, physically? You're in a parking lot right now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm parked in a strip mall, so... (laughs) <laughs> now they're going away. Yeah, good. Okay. So as long as there. So there are three c- bad. There are three. There are three bad things that could happen to me. One is the business owners around the strip mall could come out and tell me to leave, which would put a wrinkle in the episode. The second thing uh, is I might cook to death. But the third thing, and arguably the most uh, uh, scary, is that I had to leave my my vehicle running because I've got uh, small animals in it, and um, and I had to keep the, that that on in the air conditioning. But when I the way that my jeep is, I can't lock the cargo area with the keys running. So if anyone climbs in the back of my jeep and takes off, I am physically connected to it and I will just go with them so, whether I want to or not. If
0: Noah starts swaying back and forth.
1: Yeah. But I did bring a second phone so I can leave the stream going. Yeah. So you're good. So
0: You're good. You're yeah. on Wi-Fi, so you're <clears throat> you're good. Uh, so we. But anyways, uh, I tease Noah, but we do have links to the webcams uh, in the show notes if you guys want to pick one of those up. Uh, and then last but not least, and I think there's probably nothing that our audience doesn't already know, but it might be a good resource if you want to pass it along to somebody who's considering Linux in the uh, educational space. I linked to a uh, – <clears throat> oh, what a pop-up. Look at that thing. What a pop-up. Linux and Ubuntu.com, besides their pop-ups, has a nice uh, write-up on the uh, six best, quote-unquote, Linux distros for school. And I really like I'm, – I'm actually a pretty big fan of ed, uh, the, uh, the Ubuntu replacement, which uh, I think is kind of interesting Uber student. But anyways, there's a bunch to check out. Yeah, including
1: that's, that's a really good name. That's a really good name.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and there's also – I, th- I like it. I like this one too, Fedora EDU.
1: So if you uh, want to get your, sounds cooler.
0: If you want to get Fedora cray cray, there you go. So I have a link to that in the show notes as well. So thanks to Chris and the school out there for letting Noah come out. Congratulations to them for getting a pretty cool setup. And uh, I'd love to learn how that goes down the road. So maybe keep in contact and give us updates from time to time. If you're considering doing something similar, or maybe starting like some sort of screencasting situation, or a podcast situation, or a YouTube show where you're going to be the next YouTube star, all of these. You could do now under Linux, using OBS, that I think even just you know two years ago would be a lot harder. So it's pretty cool, I and mean, we could just use the cameras we have linked in the show notes, and you can check past episodes where we've talked about microphones and stuff like that. And that is the Linux Action Show's look at Linux in the educational space. You can coin that term. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast, I guess as it is. So, Mr. Noah, we have a few emails to get into and some follow-up. Uh, we'll do that here in a moment, but let's start with our thanks for System76. Now, I don't know if you've considered this, but you just switched, like, I-, I think I counted like five computers in that in that video, so that's five switches to Linux. Have you Are you tallying that up?
1: No, I uh, I didn't realize that we we're like actually in a competition so I guess life I is a competition yeah, I was, though, a, figure it out I, yeah, I wasn't keeping track, but I'll, I'll start. I'm going to start, keeping, <laughs> I'll start, start, you start should, keeping track. Why not
0: start right there, dude? You can start right there with those five. Okay. So They're for right. this month. Everyone
1: everyone, everyone to everyone switch to Linux from now on. Send an email to him at System76.com.
0: Yeah, there you go, System76.com. Go check them out. They build systems born to run Linux. They've got two different laptops now with the GTX 10 series graphics cards. Uh, Noah knows uh, this is 100% true. Uh, I was grousing over the week, sending him screenshots of...
1: <laughs> yeah, he sends me, like, every time he thinks about buying it which is frequently he sends me a screen cap and he's like here's my config look at the here's here here's the price of bitcoin here's the price of this computer today here's what I would want to buy here's what, all the things I think I could do with it if I bought it yeah. here's how <laughs> see, I
0: get it cuz you <laughs> know now that see not only with the Oryxes, man you get you get a ton of drive space but now with the GTX graphics in there and up to 64 gigabytes of ram uh this would be the alt speaking of OBS machines this would be the ultimate OBS live stream Editing production box all in one for the road. That would just be such a monster. I just, uh, I mean, they build great desktops too and uh, uh, a bunch of different kinds of laptops, not just monsters. Check them out at system76.com and uh, go over there and tell them, Noah, switch it to Linux, and they, you might just get a nice treat. It's a nice way to support the show too. So, are you ready for the emails, Noah? You uh, yep. Okay. Alright. So I'm gonna do the We're reads ready. since uh, you're on location and our first email comes in from Ed T about mic input and output controls. He says, I've been looking for ways to enhance the way my mic sounds on VoIP calls. I wanted to get your input on the best way to do that on the software side of things. I don't really need anything complex though. All of the solutions I've found so far are complicated and geared more for cleaning up recordings after they're done. I just want to sound better on the call. Maybe boost the bass a little bit, reduce the background noise with some controls to adjust the sound on the fly. I'm currently running Ubuntu Mate. Thank you in advance for any advice you can offer. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Ed from the Philippines. So, any uh, suggestions there for Ed?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to start by just uh, going to the old adage GIGO garbage in, garbage out. It doesn't matter what how fancy your software is doesn't matter what filters you have doesn't matter how great everything else is if you start with the every time you you modify a signal before it gets to the computer and it and it, and it is for the worse your you the, the overall quality of your product is always going to be that much worse so start with a good microphone start yeah. with good high quality cables put it into a good high quality interface and plug it into you know some sort of a digital connection like USB those would be my start you can do all of that what i just described for under 179 bucks we have i, I i've, I've talked about it before. It's been a while now, I guess, but I have gone through and found components that are all natively compatible with Linux that will give you really decent, good starting audio sound. And you can have the mixer and the headphones and the microphone and the audio interface all for 150 bucks or less. I mean,
0: people watching at home and in the chat room right now are going to say, Jack, use Jack, send the audio through Jack, and then you can EQ it. That's Mm -hmm. nice because it's a software-only solution. I'll tell you where Mm -hmm. you're going to go wrong here. And it sounds like you're already going down this path and this, my friend, is the path to muddy sound. if you If you put too much bass in a VoIP call, um, it really becomes yeah. unlegible. In fact, for all our VoIP calls, I pull down. I pull extra. I pull bass out a little bit because think about a VoIP mm-hmm. call like this. What it does is it, it takes a wide band of sound and it smashes mm-hmm. it into a narrow channel. And to do that, mm-hmm. it's taking from the highs and it's taking from the lows. It's dropping some of that, smashing it all together, mudding mm-hmm. it up a little bit. And so uh, if you if you send too too much, it just gets it just sort of gets overdriven and muddy. It, it the too much bass will sound. Uh, It'll sound kind wobbly like this. And uh, too much highs will be very hard on the ears, very uh, scratchy on the ears. Tinny. tinny, yep. tinny mm-hmm. yeah. And so you just you need, to, you need to be listening to what it sounds like on the other end and then adjust your mix based on that. So figure right. out how yep. you can do that and then use Jack to configure it. There's some tools like you could mess with... Uh, oh, here's one, one last tip for you. Every freaking major VoIP platform that uses its own codec sounds different. So Hangouts audio, call audio sounds different from Skype. Hangouts mm-hmm. on Air audio even sounds different than just regular Hangouts. And mm-hmm. same with uh, Linux Skype. Linux Skype's audio is worse than regular Linux on Windows. Like the new WebRTC audio they're using on Skype to my ears mm-hmm. sounds worse. Uh, we're mm-hmm. using uh, Jitsi for for this call and mm-hmm. um, the audio is kind of comparable to Hangouts, I think, but it's different. And I, I EQ differently each time. I EQ differently each time. And then, of course, the mic makes a difference. So Noah is on a mobile headset mic, like one of those broadcasters at a mm-hmm. sports event, which has a totally mm-hmm. different sound to it than his regular RE mic uh, back at his studio. So... Right. Yeah, you've got you to take all of those things into consideration when you're planning for that. Uh, and then... Just sort of hope that the best signal you can put into that will get you the best results. And then if you record that, yeah, you could try cleanup clean up later after the fact. But like Noah said, garbage in, garbage out. So make sure the first thing you're starting with is good, clean audio that isn't overdriven, isn't too loud, doesn't have too much stuff turned up. Mm-hmm. So Ken writes in with, uh, I think this is for you, Noah. He says, uh, hey, Noah, you don't need a VPN with all these sensors and stuff. Just get the clapper. You have full control, and it doesn't go over the Internet. Clap on, clap on, Noah. The clapper. You know, part of me, one of my greatest regrets about society is that clapper functionality wasn't embraced, extended, and integrated. And I want to underscore that. One of the greatest failings of our society is failing to properly leverage the technology of the clapper. Uh, Sure, the clapper, as we all picture with the old lady clapping in bed, that that product needed to die in a fire. However, can you explain to me why I can't clap twice to locate a lost remote? Why can't well, I clap they twice? That. They, have that. they what? have that. My remote doesn't beep. Thing. Why doesn't okay, my remote beep it, when it, I clap but twice? I'm
1: just saying they have things that you can attach to your keychain and then you they make no, your No, what box. did I
0: say? I said the failing of our society is not properly extending and integrating it. It should be integrated. Uh, three claps and I locate my watch. Two claps, I locate my wallet. I and, and you know what? If it goes off accidentally once a month, no big deal because we've improved yes, this technology. Yes, it is a
1: big deal. You would lose it.
0: No. You would lose it. No, You know, because you know what drives me nuts, Noah? You know what makes me absolutely mental is when I lose my remote. No, when I lose my remote for 10 minutes every day. I do not want to spend 10 minutes of my life every single day looking for my remote. I will take a random beep once a month when it mistakes a clap. And you know what? Let me program a clap sequence. Maybe I love the clap. Give me lots of clap. I don't care. I'll clap all the time. I'll five clap if I have to to locate my remote.
1: I don't understand why we I hereby, m- I hereby challenge you. I hereby challenge you to a mental duel on the on user error episode three when Rekai is here to back me up. No uh, some your property beeping even if it's only once a month, would drive you absolutely nuts to the point that you'd smash it before you let it beep I say, sir, it
0: is situational, and I will take you up on that debate. So if you'd like to contact the show, go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and choose Linux Action Show from the drop-down. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up and leave us a comment there. We're trying to share love with YouTube. Because you know what? Let's be frank. It's been a rough week over there. I don't know if you've heard of the news, but... uh, the news is that YouTube will demonetize you for covering the news and so people are getting super upset on YouTube and creators are threatening to leave so in solidarity give us a thumbs up and a comment over there and let us know that the YouTube platform is worth fighting for and last but not least don't forget you can always submit content directly to the show as, a, as maybe like a spotlight or a great desktop application or a Linux distro you love or a news story you want to comment on linuxactionshow.reddit.com Sunday's the time we do this find your exact time in your location at Jupiter broadcasting.com slash calendar watch it at jblive.tv that's all the links i got except for that guy's twitter where do they go noah
1: at kernel linux and also while i think of it you can also follow my company alterspeed at alterspeed and if you're in the central wisconsin area we are looking to hire a part-time technician out there and so if if you're interested go over to ultraspeed.com and use our contact link and let us know that you're in the area and that uh, i will just assume if you put linux action show in the uh, in the subject line that you're more than qualified to handle some of the stuff that we need to do because if you can understand the content on this show you could definitely handle our clients so if anyone's out in the central wisconsin area and looking for a part-time job let us know because we are looking. Hell
0: of a deal right there. Speaking of the Twitter, you can find me on it at Chris alias, like Biff 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 did. Biff Biff tweeted me last week and said, Hey, Chris, what was that light bulb that a listener sent you that doesn't require internet connection? I can't find it in the show notes. Uh, that might be my bad. Seth, he at LinuxFest Northwest gave me the LIFX, I think it's how you pronounce it, L I F X. And you can find it at lifx.com. Read more about it, though, because I have not done extensive testing with it, but he gave it a. A real hearty endorsement and uh, was trying to solve that particular problem. So there you go. You can tweet me at ChrisLAS. I try to read all of them if I don't respond to all of them. And you can follow the network at Jupiter Signal. All right, everybody, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. And we'll see you right back here next week. 433 is armed and ready. Are you ready over there? Well, you're still chewing. Yeah. And then, that's when it's time for a Sam Adams break. Well, the Lex Action Show recommends sat no. Although Did I tell me. you a beer sponsorship? Even Sam Adams would be badass. What, what's the matter? What's the matter, darling? Why?
1: Well, I just I was just thinking I've got plenty of access to drinks, but I don't really have any food. That's right.
0: Food. You just fill your tummy with drinks. That's that's normally what. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Why well, I'd have to cook. I
0: know it's I not could... Coca-Cola, but you got Coca-Cola. It's... Yeah. Okay. Good. Within well, then you're set, dude. What do you need? Mm-hmm. That's what you live off no. that stuff. hmm When the uh, end times come, you are going to be one of the sole survivors, because you've already trained your body over all the years to live off of uh, Coca-Cola. That hey, you coming. know what I noticed? Speaking of delicious, you are, you... If people want to know, like, great food snack gifts, you know, where uh-huh. like... Noah's got them. Noah's got it all figured out. You got dial it dialed in with the food snack gifts, like with the uh, chocolate-covered uh-huh. potato chips. Yeah, yeah. I noticed this year that, uh, I didn't get any, but, uh, Eric the Nomadic Fanatic did. That's yeah. weird, I don't know what happened.
1: Nobody.
0: nobody here's got what I suspect, you. here's what I suspect. I suspect it's possible that you actually bought those chocolate-covered potato, potato chips for me, but never got around to sending them because life was busy, and then gave them to Eric! Is that true, sir? Is that true? No.
2: Oh, okay. No.
1: <laughs> nobody got chips, nobody got- usually I send them out, nobody- I didn't even do Christmas cards this year.